For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm not a betting guy, but for y'all that are, there's Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The Masters are here. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. for another episode of Believe in Kentucky on the Believe Podcast Network alongside UK's all-time leader in three-pointers made, Tony Depp. My name is Vinny Hardy. What's happening, TD? Nothing much, V, man. I'm, I'm happy to be here. It's a nice, warm day in Atlanta in the 70s, and, um, you know, I, I see a lot of people out, and I'm, I'm about two weeks away from getting my second vaccination. So I'm excited about that. And I do have uh, a special guest, Jimmy Mahan from Jimmy's Kentucky Rose Show Shop in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, one of my favorite people. And we just became friends, but it seemed like we've been friends for many, many years. He's a phenomenal guy, does a lot of uh, philanthropy work um, in the Lexington community, has a unbelievable memorabilia shop. When I tell you, he did me such a great favor. He gave me one of the most important. Think about this. I don't even have any. I don't even have any trading cards. So I do get some from Panini that I have to sign maybe once or twice a year. But he gave me a Hank Aaron. They. He gave me a Hank Aaron. I, I would love to get a Bay Root, but Hank Aaron and Mickey Mantle baseball card. And I was like, hold on, man. So are, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, Jimmy, are you serious, man? Like, you gonna give me this? Like, I have no. I have no trading cards in my collection, but this is, when I tell you, man, I mean, I was like Jimmy and the kids when they opened up one of those uh, trading card boxes. And it's like, you have a, a one a one of a one, which is a special trading card. That's how I felt, man. You think about Hank Aaron and Mickey Mantle. And I'm, I'm so Jimmy and I was just having a conversation. I'm like, yeah, you know, Hank Aaron. I, I like Hank Aaron, Mickey Mantle. And, Man, about 30 minutes later, he came, he comes out the back. I don't know, he went to a vault or somewhere on some special place and came out with this trading card. I was like, I was like a little kid. I was like, are you serious? Do I do I do I accept this? Do I tell do I tell Jimmy, hey man, I, I can't even take this? <laughs> but no, Jimmy special person. Jimmy, you, and you can kind of go in and let us know, let our listeners um tell them about your memorabilia shop, where it's located and and what you've been doing. 
Well, you get it now. That's people are like, why are you doing this? Your life? Cause I get to distribute that kind of joy. I mean, that's <laughs> real. That is real. What else can somebody like, to be able to do that all day? What else can somebody give Tony Depp that's going to make you freeze? Right. Yes. And, and, and have that kind of pure, authentic joy, right? Everybody's got a hero. You're a lot for a lot of people, especially in Kentucky. But then it's like, oh, so I'm kind. I was kind of digging and thinking, oh, I wonder if I have something that he might dig. And he said <laughs> that I knew exactly what to get. And card collectors will know the the card. It's got Aaron and uh, it's manager's favorite. It's got Aaron and Mantle right on either side of the card, and it's a beauty. But it is, man. It yeah. is. It is. It's awesome. I've, I've got a little shop in Lexington, Kentucky. Growing up in Kentucky. There were lakes, rivers, and streams all over the state that my granddaddy would describe as having good fishing in them. That's why we're so excited about our newest sponsor, Monster Bass. Monster Bass is the fun and affordable way to get the best new baits from the fishing industry's top brands delivered to your door each month. Premium subscription fishing company that handpicks the best baits on where you live and fish. No more guessing on which baits are going to work. Just leave it to the pros at Monster Bass. Basically, it's like having your own personal fishing guide, and it's changing the way bass fishermen shop for baits. They're quickly becoming the number one fishing brand of anglers everywhere. They got the best baits from the best brands, and you're covered by the industry's best customer service. So if you want to catch bigger bass this season, head over to MonsterBass.com and use the code CATS10 to get $10 off your first box. Sign up for Monster Bass now. Um, kind of always a dream, a passion of mine, and it's got lots of cards, but it's also kind of half museum, half shop, and it's got a lot of Kentucky stuff um, from basketball and football, and actually got the old baseline from Rupp in the shop where you walk in and people come in and get pictures on all the time. But it, it's, it's built more, yes, to make a living but more to be that community hangout to come and take it easy and chill and just tell stories and sit right. back and kind of like across between like your barber shop or old restaurant in town you can just come in and kick it and instead of eating food or getting your hair cut you're opening cards and trading cards hey phenomenal Vanny. you you have to you have to go check it out man it's it, it's a you know and i think jimmy said it best you know it, it it makes you feel at home. You know, you can just go there, chill, watch TV, have nice. Hey, he, he also got us some nice pizza, too. So, you know, he right. when I tell you, like, just really took care of me, make me made me feel at home. My family, my lady, Nicole, Anthony, who who has become a, a really good friend of Jimmy. Now it's like, man, Mr. Jimmy, send me this. Let's call Mr. I'm like, listen, you can't call Mr. Jimmy. <laughs> Only when we go to Kentucky, can you? You know, but anyway, they, they still stay in contact with one another. But, you know, just. Just how he made him feel. When you can make kids feel a certain way, and I, I give, I do a lot of stuff with kids, you know, and and even with with Jimmy, just helping my, um, you know, my AAU program is giving, giving our girls, helping us with uniforms, man. That that meant a lot to our girls, and just you know, um, what I've been doing, and just someone that became not only a friend, but just someone who sees the vision that I have. As I started my um, TDBA basketball academy, you know, we started out with a few teams, well, a couple of teams, and then we had a few teams. And, you know, it's, it's grown quite a bit. But when you have good friends, Rick Avar is another good friend. I have um, 
Mike Vine out of Louisville. So it's funny, my, my Kentucky connection. So it's when you think about how how all this work out, and I have my people in Tennessee, but my people in Kentucky have been so good to me. They treated me well, but you know, I, I never would have thought that as an 18-year-old kid that when you sign a letter of intent and you go to a school, how many doors and how many opportunities will be there? And you don't know it as 18. And, and, and Vinny know this. I don't think Jimmy really knows this was that, you know, I was probably about three or four games into my collegiate career. And I went and talked to Coach Patino. I told him I'm transferring. I'm like, I'm not happy here. And um, so we sat down, we talked about it. And, you know, I said, well, at the end of the season, you know, I want to get my transcript. Actually, I wanted my transcript then so I can leave and have to set out for half a year. <laughs> then I still have three more years. And um, so he kind of refused my transcript. He was like, I'm, my transcript. I'm like, what do you mean you're not giving me my transcript? Like, man, it's, you know, I can leave if I want to. I just got to go to the financial aid department and get my transcript, you know. So anyway, we had a long discussion. But he, he, had, a, he, had, a, he had a vision, he had a plan. And also having Billy Dunham in there. Billy Dunham has spent so much time with me, just teaching me, you know, how to mature, work on my game. And, you know, the rest is history. But um, just staying in Kentucky has opened up so many doors. And I had to do, you know, and I had to do right by, by you know, by my name and, and live the right way and make the right decision. But, you know, and, and nothing's perfect that I've done in life uh, other than, right. you know, try to help people out and, you know, be genuine as I can be. And when you come across Jimmy, you know, and, and you'll, you'll get a chance to meet him. It's, 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 I mean, just phenomenal. I mean, he's a phenomenal individual that means well for so many people. Well, you're, you're too kind. Talk about having being humble. I, I just think that we share that similar vision where, you know, made in the image of God and, and we're, we're all men and, and we've got different gifts and different talents. And what we have a responsibility to use them the right way we have a responsibility to give back. I mean, what do I have that hasn't been received in a gift from God or a gift from people and the kindness of others? So when you get to a point where you can just return that at all times, which it's not, when I say get to a point, it's just in your head. It's not, oh, you got to get so much money. You got to get so much uh, as far as you can in your job. It's in your head, say, I, I just need to give back as much as possible. And then, and it doesn't always have to be money. It could be time. It could be relationships. It could be just sitting and listening with somebody. But those types of things, to me, uh, you could see it. You've got that same, that side of you that it was great when you were in the shop and just sat. You're supposed to be there an hour. You're there four hours, <laughs> opening cards, talking to the people. I was like, man, this is gonna. This is my guy right here. <laughs> I appreciate I'm, it. I'm still look is. My reaction for everybody, because this will be up on YouTube and stuff. No, my reaction wasn't staged. We didn't talk about this before we started recording. TD says you gave him a Hank Aaron Mickey Mantle car. So my mom, I'm already over here just the, <laughs> the mind blown emoji. And I was as soon as you said that. So un, unbelievable. So Jimmy's Kentucky Road Show, and everybody follow him on Twitter at Kentucky Cards. I was just reading the bio, Jimmy. It says nothing here is for sale or for trade. Am I reading that right? Uh, well, yes. Uh, at the shop, it's different. But <laughs> okay. <at the> shop, <laughs> that would be a very difficult way to run a business. 
wonder. I'm like, what? What? How in the world is dude? <laughs> the funny thing is, I started like so. So much of this was an accident. And do you find that it's getting harder and harder to relax? Life is crazy. That makes it hard to shut off your brain and chill. It makes it easy to overthink, get stressed out, and that sucks. That's where Sunday Scaries comes in. They're a delicious, vitamin-boosted, THC-free CBD gummy. They'll become a must-have in your daily routine. They'll chill you out in about 20 minutes. Basically, they help you take the edge off, maintain your composure, and live scare-free. And there's no risk to buy. The company offers a 100% lifetime money-back guarantee. If the product's not for you, that's okay. You'll get your money back. Sunday Scaries is in the stress-relieving business, not the stress-causing business. I got you 25% off to prove it. Visit sundayscaries.com and use my promo code BELIEVE for your discount. That's promo code BELIEVE for 25% off at sundayscaries.com. They're freaking amazing, and you won't regret joining their squad. In honesty, I probably, I probably ought to change that bio because <laughs> I was just a collector. I was like, wait a minute, man. <laughs> man, everybody would hit me up every time I'd post a card and be like, how much you want for that? How much you want for that? And I was like, man, I just, I've had it 20 minutes. I just, I just got it. I ain't selling it. And now, now I have a shop, but I made that back when I didn't have a shop. It was just me being a big kid with my collection. <laughs> <laughs> so Kentucky Roadshow shop.com at Kentucky Cards on Twitter. And I just kept reading that. I'm like, am I reading this wrong? <laughs> he got that all caps. Nothing <laughs> is FS and FT. I'm like, now that's gotta be for sale or for trade. That ain't free right. free throws. It's gotta be. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, this dude got a shop, but he ain't selling nothing or trading. Man, I'll tell you. <laughs> This market with cards too. I'm still gonna leave it up there because if I post, I can be like, "Oh, this was a dream." I was with Tony Delk. He signed this card. People can go, "How much? How much?" Like, man, I ain't selling that. <laughs> so, so tell us. So, can you tell us why? Because seem like from what I'm, um, like trading card, the value has gone up. You know, which which is crazy. And, and during this pandemic, is that people no. are really buying more and more trading cards. And, and the cool thing is, actually, it happened before the pandemic. I got to go on MSNBC, actually, once and talk about this, where, so I've done this my whole life. It's just always been my joy, right? It's been my hobby. And especially growing up in Kentucky, when you talk about the loyalty of Kentucky people and all that, basketball, as you well know, better than anybody, is different here, right? It's probably the greatest franchise of any collegiate sports it's, it's i would say the alabama football right there mm-hmm. right but you got no pro teams you don't have the nice side of the appalachian mountains you don't have you know the beaches you don't because i've lived in carolina i've lived in virginia I've, they've got great programs and great traditions great history but not the franchise and the following and the loyalty that exists here it's right different. um but anyway, so, of course, that same loyalty, when I started collecting, kind of extended into basketball cards. But about the last 10 years, cards have been kind of steadily moving up as the NBA has gotten more and more popular, kind of surpassing baseball 
since the strike 94 and all that and the, and the NBA especially. But about 18 months ago, before the pandemic, there were two articles and it was in Forbes and Wall Street Journal. And they both said, trading cards, if you invested in the top S&P 500 stocks over the last decade, or you invested in trading cards over the last decade, the trading cards would have beat the S&P 500 by 153% on return on investment. Wow. So when those kind of articles are showing up, and I had seen it as a collector watching like LeBron affect the league and, and cards and Steph Curry and all that. When that hits financial magazines, well, financial guys may like cards. They, they, they love players, but they're looking for an asset class. They're looking for a return on investment, right? We can get Rick Avar back in the room for this kind of like, that's the goal, right? So they all of a sudden this these articles hit and people are even bumping into cards more and then right after those articles the pandemic hit and now people have more time at home and they're missing sports and they can jump into this thing they've been hearing about and it went from going like this to going like this just exponentially where you've got you know when we we're kids we're not much apart in age the cards that were a million dollar cards were like Honus Wagner and something that somebody found in a can in their backyard right. in 1908. Right. And now you've got Giannis cards selling for 1.8 million. You've got, you've got cards of guys that haven't even won championships selling for two, three, $4 million. Wow. And cause what I always tell people and why I've done this business, which I've only been open five months, but, um, there's always a rich guy with a hero. <laughs> True story. And basketball's global. You know this. So if I pull a, a Yao Ming card that's a one-on-one and there's only one in the world, there's somebody in China that will buy that for a lot of money. And, and we ship cards from Lexington, Kentucky to China, Australia, Switzerland, all overseas all the time because it's so wow. global. Speaking of that one on one of one, you got a pretty uh, interesting video clip of yourself opening <laughs> one. So tell us about that. I was watching that before the show started. <laughs> it's so crazy. So, and that really kind of launched a lot of things. But a year and a half ago, I was opening cards at my house. And some of my favorite cards, of course, are collegiate basketball cards because I always, I was just a teacher back in the day. I couldn't afford any of the big stuff that I can now. And I was buying cards to get Kentucky cards. But last year, I'm opening a pack of cards. My wife is filming because by this time, I've got this Instagram following. So my Instagram kind of blew up on accident. And it's Kentucky basketball cards is my Instagram. But it was I was filming it on Instagram. And I opened this pack of cards. And I see the back of this card and it says Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett. And it, on the back at the very bottom, it says one of one. And I start freaking out a little bit and I turn it over and it's autographed. And this is right in the peak of the Zion hype. Wow. <laughs> and just went nuts. And then all everybody watching went nuts. And all of a sudden the chat starts moving like a stock ticker and it's going crazy. And, and, and all of that, but um, it turned out to be a really cool story because I um, ended up selling it because obviously I'm not a Duke fan. 
but <laughs> I, I sold it. And at the time I had just left, uh, I'd worked in a foster care group home in the mountains in North Carolina for about four or five years. And um, I sold it and gave a hundred percent of it to that group home. So going back to kind of what we said, it's like, I've been blessed. I know that I'm in a great spot. I spent five years, four or five years working with people that need every bit of help that they can have. And mm -hmm. to take that moment that kind of went crazy online. I mean, they put it on CNN because my reaction was kind of goofy. <laughs> and it's kind of this awesome. And then turn the spotlight, not for me, but put it on, okay, this group home in North Carolina, the Cross North School, these kids, this is focus on this. Let's give the money to that. It was right. That was a cool thing to do. Tell us about Cross North that you, you know, that you worked there and then you gave 100% of the sale to. Tell us about the school. Man, I cannot sing the praises of this place. It's almost like, you know, there are no orphanages in America anymore, and there are not that many group homes. But this place, you know, if, if, if a child is taken from a bad situation, a family in the middle of the night, up anywhere kind of in that area, it's a place where the police can take and put that child. And mm -hmm. So at the time before I worked there, I was I was working at a bank, doing great financially, all this stuff. And then I'm up in the mountains of North Carolina and these people come and say, hell, you used to be a teacher. Did you uh, have you seen that school over there, that group home? I was like, I was just at a lunch. And they're like, I was like, no, I like cool schools where let's go look at it. We go over there and it's all abused, abandoned, neglected children. Mm. Kind of ages three months to 18 and they've got about eight different cottages on campus where parents where people will volunteer to be the parents and live there a week on a week off they got a school and they got therapists and they've got a coffee shop and a thrift store where all the kids learn a job and a trade and it it's unbelievable and when I went over there and visited it I I couldn't get it out of my head I was supposed to go home the next day and I, I, my wife was up there and they went back to the other side of North Carolina where we live. And I was like, I, I don't think I'm supposed to go. And I stayed the night and I met with the CEO the next day and I walked around the school with him for four hours. Then I couldn't sleep. And I drove back home with two applications for my wife and I. And I quit the job at the bank and started commuting for a while, four hours every week. Wow. Um, to the school for a week and then four hours home. And then we moved up there full time and it was the most rewarding, awesome place. Wow. I cannot tell you. And the everybody that works there, these like that is the hardest work because you take a lot of L's in foster care, man. You take a, take a lot of L's. It's some right. tough work, mm -hmm. but th those kids are special. And a bunch of them call our home here, Lexington home now which is great. Right. Um, a, lot, a lot of them come to the shop, work at the shop, help me with cars. But um, that place and the, and the work they do is, is pretty special in my life. So, man, to give some Duke player money away to them, that's easy. That's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, I know you do a lot of, you know, a lot of philanthropy work outside of the United States. Can you talk about, you know, some of the, some of the kids and college, college students that you've been influencing and helping outside of the U.S.? 
Well, I had the the real joy and privilege to work for Camp Seagull. Is I was a director down there, and when you I was hiring people, and and one of my hiring trips, I got to go to Bogota, Colombia, and all I, I knew about it's my bucket list. I haven't been. I told you. Oh, we're going. Go. Let me know. We are going. I still haven't been there. And you're gonna have to not eat for about two weeks before you go because you're gonna pack <laughs> it on. Uh, and in one of my hiring trips, I went down there and I met a bunch of people and just fell in love with Columbia. All I knew about Columbia was like Stallone kicking in the door and like blowing away drug dealers. Like I didn't know anything. <laughs> Pablo, Pablo Escobar, we know about Pablo. I knew about Pablo and <laughs> that was it and, and as Americans. And I'm like, man, am I going to be safe when I go down there? And I'm looking it up and it's like the crime rate was the same as Indianapolis. And I'm like, oh, I can survive Indianapolis. I can survive Bogota. But met families and people down there that I grew really close with. And it's interesting. So everything down there is about a third of the price it is here. Like wow. a movie ticket's like two bucks. Like a Coke's like 40 cents. Like it, it's like a bottle Coke. Like it, it's, it's very different. And I met some people that had gotten into programs and college programs and they were telling me about, but they couldn't afford it because when they're coming up to America and they're coming over to different schools, not only is it expensive to pay for college anyway there or here, they're making a, a third of the wages and the revenue to even pay for anything outside of their country. Mm. So it was more like, okay, if I can, if I can just clear the barriers, if you get into the college and you get into the program, I'll clear the financial barriers. And then you walk through, you got to make the grades, you got to work hard, you got to keep it up. But I will clear the financial barriers, the travel barriers, the transportation barriers, and you do the rest because that shouldn't stop you. If you're smart enough, if you're a good enough soccer player, if you're skilled enough in a trade, the money shouldn't be the only thing stopping you. So I got you. That is impressive. That is impressive. Go back to the to the shop, Jimmy's Kentucky Roadshow shop. You had some, and like I like I told you before we start recording, Tony sent me your the screenshot of the the address and everything, and I thought, well, I thought TD was there fixing to do an autograph signing or something like that because. Uh, Kentucky linebacker Jamin Davis was just there doing an yeah. autograph session. And now AJ Rose is coming up. Is it this Friday he's gonna be there doing one? Friday. And and now I think Kelvin Joseph is coming too. Okay. Well, yeah. so you just and we had PJ uh three days after he opened, PJ Washington came. And we had Nick Richards come. And then we're hoping to get uh some like quickly, I think, and and Maxie are coming in the offseason. And then hopefully with the new image and likeness rules, right? And and Tony, you remember, I'm sure you did the barnstorming tours after you finished the Kentucky and then did the autograph signings before you left and went right. pro, where there's those gap months where you can make good money as, as a former Kentucky player. Well, now it's the whole time you're there, you can make money while you're playing starting next year. Wow. And, and, you know, you're going to get approached by – tons of different people. I'll pay you this to do signings. I'll pay you that to do signings. And I wanted to create a space where the player felt comfortable. Like you can come here, you're going to be treated well, you can be treated right. And if you need to make some Christmas money, 
great, come here and do it. And and you'll have plenty of opportunities, but just a good spot for players to do signings. Because I I grew up in this neighborhood. I grew up riding my bike around here. And for this is what I would have wanted in the neighborhood when I was a kid. Yeah. So six to and, eight, and AJ, is that what it is? Six to eight for AJ Rose? That's it. Everybody listening, go see AJ this Friday. Six to eight, $25 for tickets. So get in there and see him. And Jamin Davis was just, is about to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft, was just there. So man. He was awesome. You want to talk about a great guy, too? He was amazing. Like the kindest, nicest guy. His mom was there. Mom was awesome. She was military, everything. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. Jamie was <laughs> on it with his mom there, I'm telling you. But he, he was super kind. And, yeah, that's what we want because, you know, you got other kids riding up and they're nervous. And, I mean, Jamie ain't small. Heck, I was nervous. Um, like, he, he can he crack a rock with his abs. I was like, good God. Um, but to just enable that connection – now, I mean, that guy's got so many more fans here now after sitting and talking with the kids and doing that. This yeah. week, it was amazing. Also, just to, you know, I, I know it, it was funny because he was wearing some um, – he's also a shoe collector too, so which is – you know, I, I kind of noticed. I was like, man, you know, when, when you see nice shoes, you know, and I love my shoes. <laughs> we, we know this. He had the Travis Knight. I was like – Travis Scott, excuse me, Travis Scott. I was like, oh, man, them right, those are nice right there. You know, I'm like – you know, he's just walking around casual with him on. Like, but you when you were when you were a shoe collector, you know your shoes. I'm like, hold on, man. He just ain't wearing no any shoes. Those are <laughs> Travis Scott's that are hard to come by. You know, which which, which kind of upsets me when I think about how the market is and when shoes come out, how quickly they go. Yeah. So just maybe two weeks ago, there was a pair of shoes I was trying to get. And I, I just I really just gave up on them. So so, of course, they come out at 10 o'clock on Nike, Nike.com. Right. So, why? So, I'm, I'm up early Saturday morning. So, I did my did my little chore, worked out, and mm-hmm. 10 o'clock hits. It was already sold out at 10 o'clock. I was like, hold on. How can the shoes at 10 o'clock already be sold out? So, I'm bots. like, it's I'm the guys with now. the bots. <laughs> it's, the, it's the dude that had the warehouse when his mom worked in sales. <laughs> He had, we know, and how his mama didn't know. Oh, you the oh, president of American sales. All these sales are coming from where we live. Oh, all these sales are coming from my living room. How's yes. You? Come on now. That's I did a double take on that too. I was like, okay, you tell me mom didn't know. Come on. We're getting a big bump in business from right here, and you don't know, mom? Mom was in on the heist, man. Yeah. You, you can't tell me mom was not in on the oh, heist. man. Dude was pulling up with truck. Some of his photos had it like U-Haul's, like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you got what are you doing? Like, and you're yeah. already working for Nike. Let some of this else. We need to eat too a little here. Yes, he'd still yeah. be rolling if he hadn't posted it. He's still oh, be in business being put on Instagram. He, you know what? But but you know what? He he wanted the fame and the popularity. You know what I'm right. saying? Like he wanted he wanted everyone to know who he was instead of being the guy. The guys who say sometimes it's okay to be under the radar. You know, you can be on the radar doing a lot of good and all the people who are flashy. And that's how I've always been. Like, I'm not a person. I'm the screen and, and I don't put my business out there. So even on social media, everyone is like, man, why don't you do this? I'm like, most of the time, I'm not even on social media. You know, right. Nicole, 
Mr. Jimmy, he'll tell you this. Nicole is, it, it does my social media, my lady. So she does a phenomenal job. And you know, we'll, we'll talk about certain things and posting pictures. And, you know, so I really try to keep it, you know, with my, my teams and kid base. If I'm doing something, I'm out. You know, it's still, it's great for exposure. gives you a platform, but uh, you won't see me doing what Paul Pierce did. You can be like, you can... <laughs> You can bet the top dollar on that. Like, that won't be happening. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe 20 years ago in, in my young – I don't even think in my younger days, man. Like, like I just don't want – I don't want anyone know what I'm doing if I shouldn't be doing it. You know what I'm saying? It's right. like some secrets you got to take to the grave with you. But so many people, it's, it's like, hey, I want everybody to – I want to still feel important. I'm like, I'm, I'm cool not being important anymore. I'm like, I've had my important years. And they are behind me. Now it's how can I help other people out? Well, and, and that's what you're like. It's You know you want to. You are still important, right? Like, like it's not that you're not important. It's you're just not displaying your importance with all right. the platforms. And I, honestly, when I got thrust into some of this, like I said, by accident on the social media stuff, because I just had a little account that was collecting and then it exploded like with the Zion stuff and all that. And it's like, I'm not a flash. I think you know me pretty well now. Like it's not, I don't want to go out and and say, look what I'm doing. Like that's right. not it. Mm-hmm. But then having been an old high school teacher and old principal, I'll I'll tell you where I struggle. I don't know if you struggle with this, but it's like if you can inspire people by mm-hmm. posting or showing something versus showing, showing, showing them what showing they off. can get. Showing off. Yeah. Being a show, being a show off. There, there is a difference. Right, there's a difference, but that's hard to walk, especially when people can't tell your context or your tone of voice on social media. Because I want to just be like, it's not about me, but like, come on, like, let's go do this together, y'all. Right. Come on, and and so I, I kind of dance back and forth on it sometimes. All I know, TD, you know, you want to post about telling everybody that you've been to turkeys before. That's what. <laughs> we've been to turkeys we've been to turkeys before he was so gone anyway uh, and, and now he gone from espn so anyway but oh uh, <laughs> td speaking of you know you had the signings at the shop and everything jimmy td it, it made me want to ask you are there any fan interactions or autograph sessions that stand out where you've had some kind of something funny something crazy happen with a fan at a sign. Good question. <laughs> you hey, know, those, those little girls licked Devin Booker's car when he was at Kentucky. So, I mean, TD, right. oh gosh, man. Might have had something, TD. I, I had to. This one, I was, I was at, uh, I was 19. So, we had just finished. We went to the Final Four in April. Then, you know, of course, May rolled around and it's, it's derby, it's derby season. So, I remember going to the derby and it's so funny because I never, I was in the infield and I never saw a horse. It was there was so much action going on. I'm like, man, it was so. I never saw the horse. I'm like, only only race I knew about was the you know was the Derby, the last race or whatever, or you know, the race for the Derby. And um, but I remember signing a, a couple body, some women body parts. As a 19 year old kid, I was like, you sure you want me to sign that? She, she was like, yeah. And she's told her boyfriend, give him the marker. I'm like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> and the boyfriend had to give so, the marker. He oh. had to give the marker because that's she wanted a body part sign. I was like, man, this is kind of crazy. But, you know, I was like, okay, I'll sign it. 
<laughs> and you know, signing, you know, I've signed diapers, you know, uh, you know, and little onesies. So you never know what someone's gonna come and want you to autograph. But you know, being at that, being at the Derby, I never forget. I was like, and it was so many people in the infield. When I tell you, it was, it was like everyone knew who I was. Like I didn't know how big Kentucky basketball was until I went to the Derby. Wow. And I was and so I'm thinking, oh, you in a whole nother city. I'm like, well, it's Louisville. Louisville, big Cardinal fan. No, no, no. They love Kentucky basketball. And I was like, because I, I, I was thinking about going, I'm like, am I gonna be safe leaving Lexington going to Louisville? But really, to me, you know, when you come from Tennessee, you don't really know the Louisville Lexington, is there a rivalry or not? Robbery or not, you know. So I'm like, okay, maybe there's a robbery, and I just don't know about it. But Went to Louisville and I felt right at home. There was no, there, there was not me being threatened to feel like, okay, something's going to happen. I just felt like, man, they had so much love for us. So, you know, just thinking back to being 19, being in Louisville, going to the Derby, um, just that they, and I think Jimmy said this best, when you don't have any professional team and you like the only show in town and you are, you know, the state school I mean, everybody knows what everybody knows what you're doing, you know, and, and this that's what made it even harder for me this year as I watched the NCAA tournament and not seeing our beloved cats. Oh part of the 64. Mm-hmm. It, it stung. You know, there's a really cool book um about it. Cause it's funny, like my sister lives in Carolina. I can call I can call her right now, she'll give me the starting five from last year, right? <laughs> um but there's this guy that's wrote a book. He was on the Sporting News, and I think he was actually following your team, Tony. And not from Kentucky, not didn't grow up here, nothing like that. And he was like, this is different. Like, this is just different here. Mm-hmm. And he ended up writing a book about it, but it's not just about Kentucky. It's about Kentucky, Louisville, high school basketball, just basketball here and how it's doesn't matter your race, your age, your gender. Like you can, like you can strike up a conversation with an old lady or somebody on any part of town in any part of the state, and and everybody just falls right in, comfortable with each other, and it's true. Right, and it's not that way everywhere. Yeah, that's true. That is. That's true. cool. For sure. Speaking of the cats, real quick, I guess the, the biggest news would be, I guess Devin asked you transferring um <laughs> we we it just you know we we've seen a lot of good point guard play it just didn't click for him and honestly man cal kind of walks on a thin line every year getting these lineups to click you know from john wall to brandon knight to tyler Eulis to the twins to fox to shay to you know uh Hagen's, and then you have you know ask you it just didn't quite work um you have nolan hickman coming in probably gonna be another point guard from the transfer portal coming in davidson Vince might come back yeah you got grady's already there and maybe another one look the writing was just kind of on the wall for ask you as far as you know it's just you ain't gonna see the court this coming season so that's kind of Jimmy. So what's your what's your take on that? So if you, you know, being a Kentucky faithful, what do you 
you know, what do you have to say about, you know, kids that are in the transfer portal? Because there's more kids. I think I think it's over 1,100 kids. And it's, what's so crazy uh, right before we talk about ask you, like I talked to a kid yesterday that is in the transfer portal. And I think he went to he was he was, he goes to see it, Seattle U. Average is 24 assists, five rebounds. And, you know, our first question I asked him, I said, why are you leaving? You know, he didn't kind of get into all the details. He said, well, it's not all, it's not. He said it was because he wanted to play the NCAA tournament. He felt he was good enough to play high D1. And um, so I said, you're getting playing time. So you're giving up a scholarship to go somewhere where you're, you might you might play, you might not, because if I recruit a kid for two or three years, I have to play that kid and, you know, try to develop him, work with him. And although you, you're an asset, you can come in, I say, but you're going to give up a scholarship to go and, and chase something. I said, do you understand that Damon Lillard and C.J. McCollum, and I can give you a few more people that play mid-major basketball that have made over two or $300 million? They go back you can, to Scotty Pippen and Rodman. Yes. Yeah, I mean, seriously, if you can play, they're going to find you. So to leave playing, averaging 20 points, to go, I say, there ain't no guarantee you're going to go there and play. What if you get hurt? We don't know what could happen. So, you know, he, he you know, but but those are the kind of kids, you know, Devin and, and, and Vinny, we've had many, many discussions about him. You know, just sometimes guys, you know, Kentucky can be too big for them. Yeah. I don't know. No. So, oh. this kind of goes not just to basketball, but even going back to being a teacher and all this, but are you, when you do that, are you running to something or are you running from something? Ooh. Are you mm. running from, are you running from work or hard things that you just got to grow up? Kind of like I felt some of our kids here had to deal with this year uh, in Kentucky, like maybe Fletcher, uh, where they just had to go from that AAU, you're the best, you're the best, you're the best. All of a sudden you're on a team where you, you're not the best and right. you have to work a little harder and grow as a man. Are you running from that or are you running to a better situation? And there's a, there's a big difference, I, I think. And I think that sometimes it's wise and it's smart to, to make that transfer the right way. Like if you're Joe Burrow, when he was in football at Ohio state, like, he's not going to get the start ahead of Justin Fields, but going to LSU, he gets that chance and he's not out running the difficulty. Like it didn't, right. the math didn't work on where he was and field was, he was never going to see that. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're transferring and leaving because you got to grow up as a player, but maybe more as a man, um, you're just going to keep running until you got to face it. So, it's kind of like, so what advice, let's say, you know, because I, I think some of these kids, you know, when it comes down to who they have a conversation with, you know, and this is, I think one of his mentors put me, you know, put me on the phone, another friend that runs a basketball program. And it was just so ironic that before we even had a conversation with him, we was talking about this transfer portal. I said, you know, I said so many kids, you know, you know, are able to stay, but also leave. And it's almost like you, like the feeling of being recruited all over again. Like, you know how, how that feels for a kid. Cause I told someone, yeah, I mean, it's stroking that ego. And I I told someone, so here's, here's what like 
when I thought about it, when I committed to Kentucky, and it was driving my parents crazy. It wasn't so much kids. We loved attention. Oh, you you know, so now with social media, you know, they're talking about you. You can post things. Oh, I'm going to this school. This school gave me, sent me a letter. Um, they have interest in me. So it's totally different for this generation. But for me, I just wanted to get it over with because my mom was like, I want them to stop calling my house. Right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so I had a different kind of press. She was like, I'm tired of coaches calling my house because at, at during that time, it was like in 90, 90 91. We didn't have well, there was call waiting, but my mom refused to get call waiting. So my mom would tie up the phone for hours talking to her sister, talking to her friends, and my brother finally had to convince her they was like, Mom, you have to get called waiting. So we get call waiting, phone's ringing out the hook, right? So she had to click over. So she's clicking over, clicking her sister off, clicking all the coaches off. So it's driving her crazy. She's like, all of a sudden, will you please sign with someone? So I went to Kentucky. So my first visit was to, I think I went to Tennessee. Anthony Hardaway was my host. Unbelievable time with Penny. Then I go down to Arkansas, Corliss Williamson. Uh, Mike Anderson, my mom loved Nola Richardson, had a good time with them dudes. But like you said earlier, it was something different about my visits to Kentucky. I went to Kentucky when we actually had Midnight Madness at uh, Memorial Coliseum. Oh, it's a wrap. When I tell you, like, so <laughs> when I get there, so we're staying at the lodge, which they torn the lodge down years ago. Um, but I get on campus and I see all these people outside. I'm like, what are these people doing? Uh, so one of the players, maybe Henry Thomas, he was like, hey, you know, they're they're waiting for the game. I say, what game? You know, so I'm like, I'm thinking the game going to be at like three o'clock. They was like, no, it's called Midnight Madness. So I'm like, OK, midnight. Who plays ball at midnight? He was like, no, 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 no. It's big tradition here. So coming from Tennessee, I never heard of Midnight Madness. Long story short, you know, as it was approaching 10 o'clock, I'm like, man, it was like more and more people out there. So by time 1201 hit, you know, I was already I was already in the Coliseum by then. And I was looking through our weight room uh, window. And I said, man, what's why are these people out at 12 o'clock, 12 a.m., not p.m.? Why are they watching basketball? Practice. So I was like, I, I felt like, hey, I'm like, we talking about practice? Right. Thousand, thousand people watching practice. And when I left there, I remember telling, uh, so Billy Donovan, just so it was Roger Groves. Jared Prickett, Walter McCarty, uh, Rodney Dent, and myself. And so when I got back, Billy was like, so they had five scholarships to offer. And I told Billy, I want to sign in the spring. And at this time, you know, I'm one of the top players in the country. I'm like, like top 10 players in the country. He was like, well, coaches, coach was like, he might not have a scholarship for you then. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, so imagine you telling one of the top <laughs> players in the country, that you're not gonna have a scholarship for. So long story short, I was, so when I got back home, I uh, called him back and, I, and I, I was like, okay, you know, I'm coming to Kentucky. And here's my mom. So my mom was like, you gotta call the other coaches and tell them you're not coming to school. I'm like, what do you mean? She said, uh, all these other coaches, Wade Houston, Larry Finch, rest, rest RIP, uh, Nola Richardson. So, it was a part of my maturing and growing up because I was like, mom, I'm not calling them. <laughs> like, they already know I'm going. 
That's the good parent making you say, like, you you got to do it. Do it the right way. Here's the thing, too. You never know what could happen because, you know. Totally. Coaches, assistant coach, they remember that. You know, so probably about maybe about eight to ten years ago, I was coaching at New Mexico State and ran into uh, Coach Richardson. He's like, yeah, man, you got away from me. I'll let you get away. I was like, you know, but it was funny. But I was like, man, I said, I was so close. I said, because if I didn't sign with Kentucky, my mom wanted me to go to Arkansas. Right. Yes. And that team was stacked, too. They that were. Thurman, Williamson, yep. McDaniel. Yep. All them dudes, all, all them guys were there. And here's what's so funny about you it. We had all the that, wars with them. Well, we did. We did. But, you know, of all the teams I played against, like, Clint, Clint McDaniels, of course, Corliss and I, we were friends. Uh, Scotty Thurman, we still talk. Uh, Alex Dillard, I probably talked about six or seven of them dudes you know, throughout the year. So we we right. all became, well, we was, it was a robbery during the time. I went and had a good visit with them, but we always had respect for one another, you know. So oh, yeah. we always stayed in contact. And it's so funny that, with, you know, I played against so many different teams, but Arkansas – I had a connection with the players and, and some of it was that I spent a few days with them. We played the same style and oh, yeah. uh, you know, Corliss and I, we actually played on the same, uh, we played in Sacramento together. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. I just remember going to some of those. I remember some of the wars that y'all had that, uh, I, of course you got to experience it, but the vibe in some of those SEC tournament venues, like that one when y'all came back in overtime, <laughs> in Atlanta to be yeah. Arkansas, and the the tension in the building was unbelievable. I remember I was at the Georgia Dome. I, I totally remember it just now. I remember I was coming up and up escalator, and Arkansas fans, all these Kentucky fans are going up. Arkansas fans coming down, and a fight breaks out, and dudes are grabbing each other and pulling each other up and down the escalators because they're trying to fight and they, everybody's running away from each other. I'm telling you, it, I remember like it was yesterday. It, right. Those were nuts, those games. Crazy, crazy. Oh, one more, a couple more UK notes. I got to ask you about Carolina too, Jimmy, but oh, Kelton Johnson made some Spurs history, y'all, because he's the third Spur in his first 60 games to have 700 points, and 330 rebounds. And the only other wow. two to do that were David Robinson and Tim Duncan. And now Keldon Johnson. Wow. I, I didn't even I didn't even know that. But you know, I, I kind of I think I kind of follow his, you know, his progression. Because whenever I'm checking box score, not to say I had forgotten about him, but you know, he was a late draft, like a late draft pick. And but it was rewarding for him. He went to the right organization. And yeah. the right organization had him go get experience in the G League, not as an insult or you can't play basketball, but it, it but it also gave him an opportunity to go work on his game and, and still play. Because even though you can say you're on the NBA roster, but if you're not getting the reps, you're not getting better. But it's humbling. I think it was humbling, too, just that, you know, not to say he was feeling himself, but, you know, you were supposed to be a, a, a so-called lottery pick. That didn't happen. And then you almost didn't get drafted. So it's like, oh, well, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. But the right organization puts you in a position where 
we're going to make, we're going to let you play one night, but we're going to coach you. We're going to develop you. So, you know, and I, I know Cal gets, get beat up a lot about, you know, even this year, what happened, but, it, but it's hard to develop kids that have been told have been given everything. You only got six to eight months to get those kids to buy into your system. Cause everyone know that college basketball is, you know, it's a, a system based, um, I would say not organization, but a, a system-based team. Like, you know, your, your system is what the coaches, they recruit you to be a part of a system. So it's like yeah. a, you know, it's like a franchise, you know, it, like every, every team, every coach is a franchise. He has a franchise, you know, and, and I have franchise rules that, you know, either you do it or you don't do it. And I tell, I try to tell the young player, yes, that's, you got to look at how do you fit in to the next place that you're going to go? I said, so you better make sure you watch and know uh, how they how they offense and defense run, who's going to be there. I said, because what usually happens in mid-majors, they always got to recruit the next player. Right. That's going to sit, that's going to fit what their, their schemes. And I said, if you don't understand that, I say, that's where it usually help, it hurts you because you haven't done your homework. But going back to Keldon, it, it, it was exciting to see you know, he was back and playing at the level that he's playing at. And, and he wasn't because sometimes you almost have to go be humble to come back and appreciate being drafted. One really cool thing, Vinny, is the perfect stat to bring up because this really translates into my business and why cards are so big and and something that very much in my business because in cards, and especially basketball cards, everybody's trying to pick the next superstar and buy them low. And when they do well, sell them high. And then you, you're going to have your Zions and your Jaws, and they're going to be expensive, and you hope they can go up because they become super superstars. But a lot of people in this business look for the Keldons. And people would always come to me and say, well, who are you buying? Who are you buying, Jimmy? And it's because of everything you just said, Tony. Last year I said, I'm buying Keldon Johnson. And I said, because I know from watching the Kentucky, from hearing from folks in Kentucky, he's got a high motor, right? Mm -hmm. He falls too late in the draft where everybody's chasing the big names at the front of the draft. And he went to the perfect organization because Pop never plays rookies, never mm -hmm. plays rookies. He's going to be humble, but he's got this high motor. He, and then when he gets his chance, he's going to have all that experience in the G League. He's killing it down there. And then somebody opts out in the bubble and he has four straight games of 20 plus in the bubble and he explodes. And all these cards that we bought at four or five bucks, some, some at a hundred bucks. Now they go for 3000 of Kelton, 4,000, hmm. 5,000. Wow. And it was that same thing of, of knowing the organization, knowing the style, knowing the player right. that in Ooh. this business, you're looking, if you know that you can make a good investment. Same like the player knowing the style in college can make a good investment in themselves. And you're right, because you think about in college, it's more about the system. Like you don't, it's not, as, there's a little bit in the pros, but in college you think, oh, Bayheim's the zone, Nolan Richards, 40 minutes of hell, Cal's dribble drive, Patino's press full court up. And like, you know, the, the school and yeah. the coach by their system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Oh, um, you said that you lived in Carolina. You got ties to North Carolina, Jimmy. You know, the, the Crosshair School in the mountains of North Carolina. Your sister's still over there. So 
everybody knew they were going to keep it in the family once Roy retired. And so Hubert Davis is the guy. So what's everybody think as far as that working out? With him it's being- so funny. I, I don't understand the keep it in the family philosophy, right? And I mean, I understand it. I, I don't like it personally. And maybe this is the business side of me. But to me, it's go get the best coach available. I don't know why you wouldn't throw money at Brad Stevens or Oates or Beard. or I mean, I mean Beard just took the Texas job. But I, I think it's a bit underwhelming. I mean, you saw what happened to Carolina when they kept it in the family the first time around with Guthridge and then Doherty. And <laughs> Lord knows what's going to happen with Duke when Kay retires. Who are they going to do? Like, Woj? Like, he just got fired at Marquette. Yeah. Go get the best guy available. I like that about Kentucky. Like, they went out and got Patino. They went out and got um, Cal. Like, that's why. Like, I got Gillespie. Don't, don't forget about are, are hey. you forgetting about. are you forgetting about Gillespie? I'm trying. I'm trying to. <laughs> why you got to talk like that? I thought we were friends. Yeah. Hey, remember, we, we had him for two years. It was like, hey, we, 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 we did a trial. We did a trial run. At least we go and go out of the like you're gonna have your 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 botched ones like that. <laughs> but at least we go like that's why you got eight titles with five different coaches. It's but not that could have been hey, hey, but think coach. about this too. Think about this too, Jimmy and Benny. Is that that could have been the one hire that they could have said we're gonna we're gonna hire in, in the Kentucky family. They have yet to have done that, though. Think about what they've done with with all the coaches that they've had, other than maybe uh, Joby Hall, maybe. With Joby Hall, what I say? Yeah, he's Tubby. Well, Tubby was on Patino's bench, right? Uh, yeah, he he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was. But Tubby was so at Georgia kind of though. When, when he was at Georgia when he got hired, right? Yeah. He was. He was. He had already left and done told. Yeah, so but really, you know, when you think about when you think about when we say like in the family. Like yeah. everybody was bringing up like a stack house, guys that have been successful. Same thing with, with Coach K is that, well, of course, excuse me, of course you can't replace a legend. I mean, that's, you know, it, it, it was, so even when someone came behind Dean Smith, it was like, they're not Dean Smith. No. Mm-hmm. It wasn't going to happen. But right. Roy came to me at the right time when they needed him. Like, like, like Roy needed North Carolina and North Carolina needed Roy Williams. Mm-hmm. Because Roy had done as much as he could do with Kansas. Like, you know, Final Four, Elite Eight. It just, he just couldn't get over the hump. Totally and good. when he went to North Carolina, like, it, it kind of, like, revived his career. It gave him some extra – it gave him energy. He was like, now I feel even more appreciated because he had done it for so long at Kansas. And people, it's kind of like we're reborn. They was like, you, you know what, they stopped appreciating what you were doing. You know, getting to the NCAA tournament, we've done that. That's nothing new. Elite Eight, Sweet Sixteen, we've done that. Like, okay, do something that you that you haven't done before. Right. And it's almost like you have to know when to leave. Like, you you sometimes you can stay too late, and have sometimes a relationship too is like, dang, I should have got this like ten years ago, five years ago. There could be an go so fast. It it and and that's kind of the same way with a job, playing somewhere, and some people just get it right right away. They they just know like. This ain't right for me. I gotta go right now, you know. Right. And it happens, you know. It's a, it's a, it's always a risk. It, it's high risk, low rewards when right. you take on certain situations, not not really knowing. Right. I just always appreciate the fact that here it's not just one iconic coach. 
It's not just John Wooden. It's not just Coach K. Mm -hmm. Here you've got Rupp, Hall, Patino, Tubby, Cal. Like, to me, that screams strength in, like, the program as a whole. You're going to find somebody that adheres to these standards Mm -hmm. and is going to push us to that. And, I mean, that's – you look at it, there's not a lot of programs like that. I mean, Carolina did it with Dean and with Roy. Duke's pretty much only done it with K. Nope. I guess UCLA's done it with Wooden and Herrick. I don't know if you want to count. No, 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 no. Just uh, like UCLA is all Wooden. I agree. Even like, the year, it's funny too, the year they won it uh, in 95, we played them in the first ever John Wooden class. It was by far my worst collegiate game. Might have been the only game that I fouled out of. So I, I I felt like it was like this game was rigged, you know. Right. And for them to have the first ever John Wynn Classic, we lose to them by one point. And it was on – when I tell you a bogus, uh, bad call, they called a foul on Walter McCarty when he totally blocked – I think it was Henderson. Blocked his yeah. shot. He goes to the foul line, makes two free throws, bad inbound pass. We lose the game by one point. And, you know, so – when they won it in 95, it left a bitter – when I tell you a bitter taste in my mouth, I'm like, because we had beaten – I think it was – we had come close to them. We had beaten Arkansas that year. Yep. And um, so we was right there. You know, it wasn't like – when you get down to Elite Eight, you're where you're supposed to be. And even looking right. at what happened last night with Gonzaga and Baylor, and right. I told you on this, I said I, – I was telling my brother, I said, Baylor has five really good guards, and two of those guards are NBA players. Right now, not to just not to discredit what Gonzaga, what they had done all season, but I was like, they hadn't seen these, they hadn't seen these guards. No, no, they were on skates last night. Early, it was a problem early that they could never, they could never solve. They they couldn't, they couldn't solve the problem. It was like we go zone, we go man. They were just, they was dissecting them last night. But I told someone I said before the season, um. Before the before they had the, the COVID issue, I say they were 17 and 0. So they was trending in the right direction, you know, and until that happened, that three probably three to four, three to four week period where they they didn't play basketball. And it, and it was gonna take them some time to get back, get their rhythm back. But when they got it, when they got it rolling, whew. and their defense, I mean, they were up in yeah. And when Baylor would miss a shot. <laughs> Gonzaga couldn't get the rebound. Baylor was getting offensive boards. So yeah, yeah. totally right. <laughs> Across it, it was a. I mean, that game was over early. You could tell this team wasn't coming back on them. Also, you know what I, I think too was that, um, you know, Scott Drew was funny because Scott Drew went away from. He went away from like he was a big zone heavy guy. I don't know if right. you, you know you watched Baylor years ago, and they would get to the tournament. Really good team. And he was trying to rely on that zone, you know. But finally, he had to he had to, he had to scrap the zone. He's like, listen, I, I got to get guys that can play man to man because with zone, it leaves up too many too many holes. Uh, you give up offensive rebounding, and it only take one one hot shooting game in, in the NCAA tournament, and it's bye bye. That's so, it. I'm surprised that, like I said, it's funny you said Bayheim is known for the for the uh, for the zone, but I'm like, none of your players that ever left your program could play defense. Right. Not one. They're not in the league long. Other than I mean, other than the big offensive guys, but like where's Hakeem Warwick and those guys that yeah. are like wow. they don't stay long. Mm-hmm. That's true. Man, I saw 
in in your video where you you got the one on one with Zion and RJ, you had the Braves hat on. You got the Braves hat on now. So we 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 started off a little rough up in Philadelphia, but we all three Braves fans here. So you know I'm I'm with you as far as the Braves. And you talk. We started the podcast talking about Hank Aaron. You know the greatest Brave of all. So man, and you got the old school Braves hat. Had to. Oh yeah, always. Yeah. I grew up coming home from school watching them on TBS. You know, your 315 game of the week, you know, yeah. every time it's either you're watching WGN with the Cubs or TBS with the Braves. Yep. Back when they were terrible. Yes. They lived in Atlanta for a little while when it was Chipper yep. and Glavin Smoltz, Maddox, Andrew Jones, all that. Now, I, I, I can't love Acuna and Albies any more than I do. I'd <laughs> probably get a restraining order at this point. <laughs> easy, I, I love easy, them. Jimmy. Easy. Easy. <laughs> Easy, but yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Um, all three huge Braves fans. I'm, I'm a TBS kid as well. Um, my, my dad and my granddad, when I was seven, drove from Kentucky to Atlanta so they could take me to see Dale Murphy in Old Fulton County Stadium. So, and and oh, as man. happy as I was, happy as I was then as a kid, you appreciate it way more now because you yes. just you just don't realize everything they had to do. Dad getting off work. My granddad was older. So That's take awesome. a little seven-year-old me down there to watch that. So now when you get up and have kids yourself, you really appreciate stuff like that. As happy as I was then, it means even more, you know, 35 years later. So that was, you know, one of the things you never forget. Look at um, this, sitting on my office desk right here. Oh, that, that, oh. Hank Aaron, signed card. Man. <laughs> number one of one. Oh, no, you you don't have a one of one. That's a one of one. Oh man, this guy Hank man, Aaron, autograph card sits right here on my desk at my house. TD, wow. Mm, mm, mm. Hey, um, I, I, I don't even want to know how much that's worth, but um, <laughs> it's um, not for sale, not for trade. It says it on Twitter <laughs> at Kentucky Cards. <laughs> Tell everybody where they can find you at, Jimmy. We're at Kentucky Cards on Twitter. and At, at Kentucky Cards on Twitter. And um, on Instagram, it's at Kentucky Basketball Cards on Instagram. That's a crazy one on Instagram. But at Kentucky Basketball Cards and at Kentucky Cards. That'll work. That'll work. And y'all can, of course, find us at Believe in Kentucky on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and all that good stuff. And speaking of another one of one TD, that would be La Terrain. You've been with them for a long time and they got so many great styles of watches. Got a 96 championship 25th anniversary commemorative edition watch that yourself and Walter McCarty and all your teammates are promoting. And you get that, you pre-order that, you get a copy of Cut to the Chase by Alan Cutler. So we definitely... Appreciate La Terrain sponsoring the podcast each and every Yeah, day. yeah, definitely. Like I said, they, they've done great things with uh, Walter, myself, and, you know, so many people. And, you know, just guys that, you know, kind of like Jimmy, giving back and, and work with uh, with people on their brand and, and have a nice watch that uh, – great timepiece. Great timepiece for the casual look, the sporty look, and just some good dudes. You know, some good dudes that's, you know, trying to make sure that – you know, they build a brand the right way and they, you know, make sure their watch is on the right people. And, uh, you know, Jimmy and I, we kind of talked about, you know, a little bit about La Terrain, what they're trying to do and and give back. So it's, um, 
a watch that I enjoy having because I, for a while, I, I was collecting watches. You know, I, I go through these phases of, of collecting things. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like to swatch watches for a while. There's, it's, there's certain style shoes I like, and it's on to something else I'm collecting. But, hey, I got a spot where you need to come visit again then. You're collecting oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's funny, too, because I, I, I love my – I love my Air Jordans, and I'm like, man, how how much long can I have my Jordan? Can I still be cool with my Jordan? I'm 60 years old. <laughs> always, always. You never even told what shoes were you trying to get? The ones that you couldn't get? Oh, I got uh, which ones was it? Um, I just got the Air Max 97 off white. So the off white, the off white ones yeah. are the hardest ones to get. The uh, I think they're the the red, black, and white. Like you don't see them, so you might have. No, uh, don't, don't you go get those shoes, man. <laughs> Salt in the wound coming up. Salt in the wound. No, I was just trying to think of which ones you was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, man! You ain't got no. Wow. Oh, no. Let me think. Yes. <laughs> see that? Hey, 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 Salt hey, Hey Jim, you wrong. Hey, you wrong for that, man. I'm telling you, hey, hey, those shoes, like you don't, you know what? Somebody, um, probably like two years ago, this guy had him on. He was, um, he's out of Portland, so he has a connection out there with Nike. And I was like, man, I said, dude, who are you? You know, because when you like I said, when you shoe car, like there's certain things you see yeah. that really stand out. I was like, hold on, now. Because, you know, it's funny when they come out, they come out for like $100, $200, then they, you know, then they skyrocket to thousands of dollars. But, uh, yeah, yeah, those, those were some hot ones right there. Hey, I can tell you this right here, Jimmy. Those are out of my budget. <laughs> he, raising hey, up like, he raising up like Jaws. Dun, dun, dun. He is, right? You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, 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 there. Hey, there was an amount I would spend on shoes, but then there was an amount that I'm like, no, I'm not spending on shoes. I'm like, I got I lucky. I got them early when they weren't what they are now. No, no. If you if you got them early, probably because you got to think about there's certain and you never know the market of shoes. Like you can pay eight nine hundred for a pair of shoes that you keep the box and yep. you give it two or three years. Because I, I have a pair of Travis Travis Scott fours that I haven't worn yet, but I threw the box away, nice. <laughs> but but I threw the box away because I, I I was so happy. It was like the one of the first time I actually went to Nike.com and they put you they put you in line right. There's like right they're gonna put you in line. So I'm already I've been I've been denied like ten to fifteen times, and so I'm always waiting for it to say you did not get the shoes. I'm like okay, and they said you got the shoes. I was like hold on. So I was so happy I got the shoes. I threw the box away. Now I have no, I haven't even worn the shoes yet. But I'm already looking. I'm like, man, why didn't I just keep the box? But I was so in my head, I'm gonna wear these Travis, these Travis Scott shoes, and I never put them on. But I don't have the box to them. So you gotta wear them now. I'm gonna wear them now. <laughs> you bust those out next time you come up the shop. I'll bust these out. We'll have a, we'll have a little. Fun night. I got you, man. Yes, I got you. Yeah, put it like this. Next time I come, I, I will have some some nice kicks on. Because yeah, yeah, listen, hey, hey, Vinny kind of showed me up, man. He had he had the Travis Scott song. The uh, those are, were the low. They the low ones or were they? I, I think, like the lows. People either love them or hate them. I love the low ones. I'm a big low fan. 
I am a big low fan. Yes, I am. So that's big time. But you know what I do? Let me see. What what do I have in my collection that's really nice? Hold, hold on just a second. I, I, have, I have a pair for you. Hold on. Uh-oh. I just got them. <laughs> Start, we started a sneaker war. <laughs> that's it. That's it. He got it. He can't. He can't go out like that. Like, I can't go, you know I can't go out like that, man. So, you gotta come with something. So, so these are ones. These are ones I just caught right the other day. So, oh, oh yeah. So these oh, are. Yeah. Oh yeah. These are my new babies right here. So I'm looking forward to wearing them with outfit. I was supposed to be wearing them over the weekend. I was Those looking, are uh, great. No, no. When I tell you, like, just like I'm a huge. When I look at the different styles, I love the ones. And I love the Fords. So those are my two, two go-to styles. And what I've actually started doing, they're actually pretty cool with suits. Like the Concords? Uh, <laughs> those look good with suits. They do, man. The Concords hey, Concord are nice, man. But you know what? Of all the ones, the Concords, let me see which ones. Uh, the Space Jam. Yes. Yeah. They're amazing. Or the 70, the 70, what, 70, 72 and 10? 72 and 10. I, I was always kind of partial to, to a couple of the 10s. Like Anthony Davis wore the royal blue ones in the title game. And then I like the 13s with the Ray Allen green 13s. Oh, yeah. The yeah, they're nice. Record. I love those. That's where I stop at. So I'm, I'm a 1 to 13 guy. Yeah. And I don't have any Jordan past 13. I'm kind of that same yeah, same thing. Because I, I want to say they're at what? They're at thirty-five now. I think so. Mm-hmm. Somebody told me thirty-five. So I mean, I I checked out at thirteen. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> nice little teenage window, zero to thirteen window. There you right. go. There you go. Cool. Yeah. I'm gonna let D wrap us up. Then I know he got it. We gotta go. I'm gonna let him wrap wrap us up. This has been great, man, Jimmy. I I had heard about the shop. I you know I heard heard Tom Leach talk about it on this show and stuff like that. But you know to be able to to have you on here and talk with you and all the all the philanthropy things that you've done and you know here in North Carolina, Columbia, so many things you've done for so many people to be able to get to know you a little bit. So cool that that TD knows you to be able to have you on with us, man. Enjoyed it a whole bunch, man. This has been great. Like you said, we definitely look forward to to having you on again. And and everybody go check the shop out. Jimmy's Kentucky Roadshow Shop, 369 Romney Road in Lexington. AJ Rose will be there Friday from 6 to 8 doing a signing. You guys check Jimmy out. Follow him on Twitter. A good dude right here. And we enjoyed having you on Believe in Kentucky, man. Y'all too kind. Thank you so much. Tony called and said, hey, we want to get you on. We've had Derek Anderson and Walter McCarty. And I was like, I don't really fit in that category. I'm just a dude with – but it was an honor. And I'd heard a lot of great things about you, Vinny. So I just really appreciate getting to just hang out with y'all. Because Tony and I can do it all day, all night. We, we can, know. man. Yes, you already know. <laughs> you know it. You know it. Definitely. All right, I'm guys. To, I'm looking forward to swinging by there, getting some pizza, and, and opening some cars myself one day, man. Come on, man. <laughs> Please, we got a seat always there for you. Absolutely, man. But well, thank you again. So for Jimmy Mahan, the legend Tony Depp, this is Vinny Hardy. This has been another episode of Believe in Kentucky, presented by Bet Online. Y'all rate, subscribe, and review the podcast, and we'll see everybody next week. Now we have our interview with. UK running back Chris Rodriguez. TD wasn't able to be on the podcast for this interview, but we're uh, appreciative that we got to have C-Rod on here with us. I hope you guys enjoy it.
What's up, BBN? Here for Believe in Kentucky, and we got the UK running back, Chris Rodriguez, in here with us, man. C Rod, appreciate you joining, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate you for having me. Man, look, I'm. We just talked about it when we were just recording. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Look, I I do another podcast, and I, I got your dad on, who is a great guy. Mm-hmm. That was back before I knew I was supposed to be talking to slacks to clear stuff when I was about to get in trouble. But so yeah. I, <laughs> I had to talk Slacks to her home. first. I had to talk to her first to make sure yeah. that I talk to you, man. So you know. Yeah, before I even do anything, I always talk to her too. Like if somebody like reaches out, like, hey, uh, can you do this? I'm like, all right, well, you gotta talk to Miss Slacks because she really runs it all for real. So she ain't no joke. She's a great lady and a hey, mm-hmm. You good with her? You got to make sure she's good with it, and then it's good to go. There. <laughs> oh, and look, man. I know, I know you had a media session the other day. I know you're a humble guy, so I'm gonna ask a few questions about you, but then mm-hmm. I'll, I'll move it on to some other stuff right quick. But uh, you yes, know, sir. the top returning running back, you know, according to PFF, the highest graded running back in the SEC, the top returning running back. Most yards after contact, all those accolades, you've heard them all before. Um, you so chill and go with the flow, but how, how does it really, how does it feel to hear hear that kind of stuff? And and as far as you're approaching this coming season, when even more mm-hmm. attention will be coming at you? Uh, So, I mean, when it comes, it, I mean, I just kind of just let it, like I hear it. Like you, if you know my dad, like, you know, he's, he's all about it. So like, my family, I just let them take it all in. You know, they're really happy for me, happy for what I'm doing. Hold on. Uh, happy for what I'm doing. So I kind of just, uh, you know, I just kind of leave it out there. Like, I don't let it get to me because I'm really, I'm just me. I just do what I got to do, you know. So when when people, like, even when my teammates tell me, like, yeah, you top five, I'm like, that doesn't mean nothing. I'm still going to work, still going to be here with y'all every day, and I'm going to give them my all every day. Yeah, yeah. So you got, the, you got that just – grind and approach don't get your head get too big and all that mm-hmm. that's the way to do it man and that's the way like that's the way I was raised like I just tell you like my uncle or whatever he was like a three sport athlete in high school and uh he never made it to college but he was always like yeah don't don't ever get your head too big like if you do somebody gonna end up knocking you down to size so I mean I always just kind of kept my head on straight and stay humble yeah for sure for sure. Now, of course, you know, new OC coming in, Liam Cohen. And the plan, as you all know, as everybody in BBN knows, is for you to eat 25 touches a game. You're mm-hmm. grinding through spring practice now. Got fall camp coming up. But working towards that, when you had a potential to get 25 touches every Saturday, does that, does that make your eyes light up to have to rock that many times? Uh, so I would say for the most part, I'm really just excited for the, you know, before the game where they introduce the starters or whatever. That's the main part. Cause I wanted to, I've always wanted to hear that and hear my name being called like in the line starting lineup or whatever, hear the crowd cheer. So that's really the main thing that I'm uh, happy for. But, uh, yeah, I mean, all the carries and stuff like doing with that, I mean, just got to let it come. It's going to come when it comes. And if it's like I was telling them the other day, it's, it's not just me. Like, 
when I need a break and those other dudes behind me step up, it, don't be surprised when they keep them in for a little bit because those do those dudes will work. Mm-hmm. Have y'all had those sunglasses problems where you lose them, break them, they get scratched up? It's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code KANONCAST15 at KANON.com to receive 15% off on your first pair. That's KANONCAST15. KANON, clearly better. So yeah, that, that room is deep, man. It really is. Deep. Everybody in there can produce, and I'm ready to see what they can do. With you now being, you know, kind of a... A, a veteran now are, are you kind of trying to lead by example are you telling them different things how do you mm-hmm. how do you lead as far as being a veteran in the room yeah so mostly uh you know me and smoke been in the same time so it's like Tan, tisdale you know uh lavelle all of them you know i just help them get lined up or whatever if they have like some alignment troubles that they're doing i kind of get them lined up or if they need to know like what they like what play like what route we have on a certain plays I help them but then again like we did come in at the same time like not really at the same time but like this offense is coming to us all at the same time like even though they're freshmen I feel like a freshman again because this is a whole new offense I have to learn Mm -hmm. and I mean there's some similarities but at the end of the day it's like this is new it's a new system so I mean me and smoke we help each other and we really try to help the young, the younger bucks for real. I mean, if they have anything, they come, they can come to us about anything, even if it's just to talk. So, you know, we just we try to help them as much as we can. But, you know, they get in the hang of it for real, just like us. So that's that's kind of like the the culture, I guess. You, did you feel that way as a freshman coming in? You know, with, with Benny and those guys, you kind of go to them, and mm-hmm. now you're in that position, and you got young guys coming to you. So it's. The culture is just continuing to, to trickle on down year by year. Yes, sir, it is. Now, you're getting all these touches, and it's a new offense, trying to be balanced as Liam Cohen brings in, you know, a more balanced attack. You're mm-hmm. excited about some perimeter runs, not just as much up the tackle, in between the tackle, mm-hmm. on the edge a little bit. You're looking forward to that new wrinkle? Yeah, so – I was actually talking to Smoke about it the other day. Like, that's more like what Smoke's love. Smoke loves to do that. Smoke loves to get outside, get an open field. Me, I rather, you know, I rather hit it in, in between the, the tackles, hit it up in there, and come out like a rocket. You feel me? I mean, that's just what I love to do. I love to go in there and see. I feel like you see everything when you're in there. When you get outside, you don't know who's coming from behind you. You don't know who's coming from the side. So, I mean, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to, for all the new things, you know, catching out of the backfield and all that. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. But, I, you know, I like – I love the straight downhill. Now, if everything goes according to plan, too, with, with this balance, throwing the ball down the field, tight ends, out the backfield, the mm-hmm. potential for you to hit it up in there 
with a less stacked box has got to be exciting. I mean, you got to be love it. <laughs> love it. You hit it up in there, ready for see everything, but then there's no safeties and there's no corners coming down. There's no, I mean, that's mm-hmm. got to be, you got to be loving that, that prospect. Yep. So, yeah. So, about that, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what these, you know, these receivers, new quarterbacks, you know, don't know who's going to step up yet. I don't think we kind of filled that that area yet, but you know, I'm ready to see what they can do and see what they're going to do. I'm like my whole life I've been running against like how many like 8, 9 in the box because I've always been like just the main dude on the team. So like in high school, we didn't really throw the ball that much. Middle school, we didn't really throw the ball that much. So it's like, came to college, we didn't really throw that much. Yeah. Not while I was playing, at least. So I mean, I'm 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 really happy to see like what this passing game opens up for us. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of dudes out there that can make plays and go get it. So I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, the potential, man. Like you said, the, for you to hit it up in there with a. Just a regular box, man. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Might get dangerous for some people. <laughs> yeah, sure, for sure. Now, about these young quarterbacks, I'm not trying to even ask, you know, who you think's going to start. If you have a preference, mm-hmm. you know, Will ain't even here from Penn State yet. And, and, yep. and the new guys, uh, you know, Joey and, and Nick and Bo and everybody are still learning everything. But the new thing for them, which sounds crazy to somebody older like me, they're adjusting to, you know, taking snaps under center because that's mm-hmm. something they haven't done yet. So, yeah, you checking it out, in your opinion, how are they just adjusting to that small detail of the game? Because, I mean, nothing can start until they get that snap from under center. That's true. So, I mean, you know, it's new to, I think, most of the quarterbacks that we have. Uh, I know Joey, we talked about it. Uh, he said, I don't think he's ever – used a cadence for real. You know, he's used to just clapping. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a new wave whenever we were in high school, just clapping and it's on like a silent count kind of. So, you know, uh, I think they're they're really getting the hang of it. Uh, we're doing a lot of different stuff, like even like in shotgun and all that stuff. So, like after practice, they'll stay after. Excuse me. They'll stay after and just get some extra snaps in just to just cause. But they're uh, I say it's coming along pretty good for real. The under the center part, and I like the under center part kind of because it, I can see more kind of when the quarterback's up, and I'm I'm in the middle, and I can see everything. Survey, just survey the mm-hmm. scene. Yeah, like that. Just look at everybody, see what everybody got going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as that big blue wall, because I mean, you you talked about the other day. If you were in position to buy them steak, you would. And when you when you are able to, you will. Mm-hmm. it comes back, Fortner, some of these veteran guys we thought might have been moving on are back and just making that a deeper group. How does I mean that's got to make you feel good? And and how do yeah. you have you been kind of checking out some of the new things they've been having to learn since you're having to kind of run behind a, a new mm-hmm. one? So I would say I don't really I'm not really with them as much as I was the last few years because I'm trying to learn the new running plays and routes and all that. Like last year, I kind of knew it and I was over there like 
with them. We were walking through blitzes and all that stuff, like when we just weren't doing anything. So I haven't been really like hearing or seeing what the, some of the new stuff that they're learning. But uh, as far as those guys go, man, I'm so happy. Some of them, like most of them stay for real. Mm-hmm. You know, you have that veteran line with really veteran. We really have a veteran offense, if you ask me. I mean, it's new, but we have a veteran offense. Everybody's played. Everybody has done at least some type of playing time. So, I mean, to see everybody just come together and, you know, lock in or, you know, you know what I mean? But, yeah, yeah uh, those guys, I love those guys. Like, like we were just talking about those stakes. If I get them stakes, I would. Building my house, I would. Those guys, they paved the way for me. All the credit that I get and the love that I get, I, I got to show them that same amount of love for real. Yeah, and seems like Coach Wolford is, you know, he's coming in and they're adjusting to him well. He's adjusting to them well. Nobody mm-hmm. forget Coach Schlarman. You know, the fan base and the media know, but, you know, what a great guy he was. So how much more so you guys within the program, but Wolford seems to come in and, and uh, teaching them some new things, and, and they're both kind of <laughs> all getting adjusted to one another together. So it seems like it's going yep. good. Yeah. You did say, you know, uh, the pass pro is the same. It's a new offense, but the pass pro is the same. Are, are you glad that that's, that's like one less thing you got to try to learn? Yeah, but the thing is, it's just different wording. So that's what we're just trying to get used to is just like the different wording and they have different, like a little bit of tweaks. It's not really too much, just like a little bit. So we're trying to, you know, fix those little tweaks that we have, like in the running back room, as far as our eyes go and where we start our, like our uh, triangle is what we call it, but where we start that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's really kind of the same, but not really, but for the most part it is. Yeah. Now, uh, Wondell Robinson, of course, from Kentucky, Transfers mm-hmm. back from Nebraska. Uh, you've gotten to see him now a little bit since, you know, spring practice has started. Mm-hmm. What are some of the areas of his game that are that are similar to Lynn Bowden, and what are some parts of his game that are different from what you've seen of him so far? So I haven't seen Wondell play, like, in the game. I didn't really watch the Nebraska games too much. But I know he's, he's going to be one of the problems on the team. They're going to have to – try to watch like they the defense is gonna have to try to keep their eyes out for him at all times because that little dude fast and he's strong he he'll get open now yeah and the thing i say about lynn like he was just a playmaker he just whenever he wanted stuff to go he did it so i think wandell had that same opportunity for real so ready to see it ready to get to work with him for sure sure. yeah now with lynn Stoops, the big dog, all those guys being from Youngstown and Ohio, you mm-hmm. being from Georgia, when everybody just sitting around talking about who got the best high school football and it's back and forth, you know, what, what case are you making for Georgia? Because you know they they caping hard for Ohio. I know you mm-hmm. got to end up for Georgia. Who's who's winning all the battles about who's got the best football? That was hard. That's a hard one. Like, you know, it's most of the team is from Ohio. Yeah. When we have, like, our picture day, they're like, all right, well, everybody from Ohio can take a picture. More than half the team walks over. I'm like, yeah. And, you know, Georgia comes, it's like, like a little, not too many. It's just a little bit. But uh, 
when I that when that argument comes up, you know, I stay out of it. Where I was at is like we weren't the best school. We were good, but we weren't, you know, super good. Like the other like seven A in Georgia, like Grayson and all those big schools in a uh, TIFF. So when that conversation comes up, I just leave it to the other dudes from Georgia that's that played at the big schools, went to the playoffs at least. Cause I can't, I can't just be like, yo, like I can't even make it to the playoffs. Right. And my, you feel me? And then everybody's like, yeah, we won national championship in Ohio. And I'm like, well, right. what do I say? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You just lay low. Just lay low. Just lay low. <laughs> I mean, we we both here, so it don't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> <That's true. laughs> sure. Now speaking of Georgia, man, now. Uh, you look at everybody in the SEC East since since Stoops and everybody's been here. You know they've beaten Missouri, they've beaten Vanderbilt, they've beaten Tennessee. Got the win against Florida. Had had winning streaks against Missouri and South Carolina for a while. Georgia's the only team in the East. Kentucky hasn't beaten yet. You know they've made no secret that you know this is just we're shooting for Georgia. Georgia knows everybody's gunning for them. You guys are positioning yourselves to get better to be ready for Georgia. How much more so does that mean a little extra something, something for you being from there? And these these past couple of years, the games have been close. You know, the 21 yeah. game wasn't that it wasn't even that lopsided as it looks. And then the mm-hmm. 14-3 last year, and then that's your home state school. So I know it's got to mean even more when you go up against those dudes. Yeah, so being from Georgia, that's always – I mean, Georgia was kind of one of the main schools I wanted to go to as a – like talking about, talking about Georgia being the school you wanted to go to. Oh yeah, so Georgia was the school that I uh, originally wanted to go to, uh, whatever. And when I went on one of my visits, it wasn't an official visit. I just went on a regular visit. Uh, I was there with like, a couple of the running backs, and I asked them. I was like, "Yo, like, what grade are you?" And they was like, "Yeah, I'm a freshman." And I was like, "Yeah, they got. Uh, I'm trying to get an offer from them. Like, I want. I really want to go here. You know, it's close to home." my family and all that. And they were like, yeah, like we already got off of you. And they didn't offer you. I'm like, wait, mm. you got the freshman here offered. Mm. And I'm from Georgia. And I was like, all right, you know, it's cool. Like I told my dad, we got in the car. I was like, I ain't going to go there. That's whatever. They were coming to my school. They were talking to me, but they were like, they were just talking, like just to talk to me. And I feel like they weren't gonna really offer me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was like, you know what, forget it. And then I came to Kentucky. So Georgia has always made me have this chip on my shoulder. Like whenever I played them, I was gonna prove them, prove them wrong about not offering me and all this. And you know, I feel like everybody from my hometown watches that game. So yeah, no doubt. I'm gonna show out for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, get to take another trip down to Athens this coming season. So yeah, no, I'm be, be ready for it too. That's right. That's right. Um, I know you know basketball just ended. You know it was just the the Final Four uh, mm-hmm. past year, this past week. I saw you tweeting about you know Gonzaga's big man Timmy. You said everybody don't sleep on him. Uh, you know, it, was, it didn't go their way Monday night, but what did you like about his game? Because you was giving him respect on Twitter, man. That, that dude is a baller. So I I didn't really watch a lot of college basketball, but when I did, 
it was them. Oh, it was Gonzaga playing somebody. I forget. But they were they won, obviously. But that when I seen him, I'm like, he's really versatile. Like he can do it all. He shoot, he posts up. So I was like, dang, like this cat's really good. So me and me and my girl, we were watching, we were watching the game. Um, you know, the one that went to overtime and that uh Suggs hit the, the game winner or whatever. Uh, we were watching it, and I was. She was like, "The dude with the headband sucks." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "He sleeps." So and then, because we had just turned the game on, she's like, "He sucks." I was like, "No, he does not." I was like, "All right, just wait." She started so, an argument. <laughs> mm-hmm. So and then, so and then he started going off, and I'm like, "Yeah, I told you." And then he hit the when the uh, sucks hit the buzzer beater. I'm like, "Come on now." I went crazy. I was in here going crazy. I was like in her face. I'm like, come on. I'm like, come on. Yeah, but I was upset that they lost. I mean, I really wanted it for them. Even though I didn't watch the whole season, uh, I really wanted it for them. You can ask anybody on the team. I was hitting a little uh little Drew Timmy do this little thing where he does a little mustache thing. I was doing that practice all day. <laughs> That's his move, boy. That's his, yeah. That's his trademark. <laughs> So what was your game like on the basketball court when, when you got out oh, there? Was... I was terrible. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I was one of the one of the big dudes like that was on the football team that was just gonna body you the whole time. Wow. I played my freshman and sophomore year. Uh I actually played my freshman year, but I made the varsity team, but then they moved me down to JV, I guess. I don't know why, but they did. So, and then I played varsity my sophomore year, and we were terrible. Mm. Came out, lost like one something to 50. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So, and then I was just like, you know, this isn't for me. Even though I, I, I fell in love with basketball, I just wasn't good. Like, I didn't see me going anywhere for it. So, mm-hmm. like, nah, like, it's not really worth quitting football for real. I mean, college is going to pay for uh, – football is going to pay for college, so. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that too, you you're gonna be the first person in your family to finish college. You talk about that being one of the main reasons you came back to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Who's the most proud of this accomplishment right now? You or your or the fam? That's you know. So <laughs> I say my my parents for real. You know, they pushed me to get to where I'm at. Even not even just my family. I had coaches and all that they pushed me to get where I where I am now because obviously like if I didn't go to college like who knows where my little cousin would be I have a younger cousin the girl she graduated high school she's thinking about going to the air force she doesn't really know yet but who knows where she would be like she really looked up to me we hung out we talked a lot and I'll talk to my older cousin who was her older brother and uh we kind of kept each other's head on straight like yo we got to do this so we did that and um yeah i would say mostly my family's most mostly proud i mean they my mom calls me every day like i'm so proud of you mm-hmm. i love you so much and i'm like mom i understand you called me 20 minutes ago and said the same thing and she's like i know but i just had to let you know like i'm just so proud i'm proud to call you my son and all this so yeah i would have to say my parents yeah, that's understandable. But as 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 happy as you are now, mm-hmm. 10, 15, 20 years from now, it's gonna mean even more to you then than it does now. You know, like yeah. 
like stuff your parents do for you as a little kid. Are you happy and cool? And then as you get older, you realize, you know, how much work they had to do and how much trouble they went through to get it. It means even more yeah. down the road. So that's probably going to be the same thing when you when you finish college and look back on it. I mean, you're cool with it now, but it even mean even more later. And then you'll see why exactly. they were so proud and why she was mm-hmm. calling you every day. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will. And I'm I'm really like. I hope I'd really cha- make a big change in my family. You know, if I do, that's gonna that's gonna make me the most proud. Even if I if I was to win the um, the Heisman, I would I would none could beat beat like making my family like get to the next level, making a difference in my family. Mm-hmm. So family, nothing nothing top family man possession that you know nothing can can jump that family for sure. Mm-hmm. Last thing, man, I, I know. I said you you're, you're a country music fan, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not a huge country music guy, but I grew up in a small town in Kentucky. And the country music is everywhere, whether you like it yeah. or not. You can hear really it. Like it's it's going to be there. Who are you listening to now, and who did you listen to as a kid? So I'll start from the beginning. So at the beginning, it was my uncle. So remember I told you my uncle was like a multi-sport athlete or whatever. So we went to a predominantly white school. So, and it was like kind of in the, I wouldn't say it's in the country, but like we had country people where we were at. So I guess one of his football friends was like, hey, listen to this. He came home and was like, Chris, you got to listen to this song. Like, just listen to it. He's not really singing country music he's kind of, kind of rapping <laughs> and i was like what so and then he put it on tv we listened to it and i was like man this sucks about a couple of days later i was playing it on my phone or my ipod i think i had at the time <laughs> i was listening to jason aldean dirt road wow okay constantly on my phone and whenever i go to parties i'm like hey can y'all play this song please like <laughs> i just wanted to listen to it sing the whole song so I did that, but uh, now I don't really kind of listen to it uh, as much as I used to. Uh, but I think if I were to listen to it today, I would probably still listen to Jason Aldean. Yeah, I think so. My girlfriend listens to it all the time, but she doesn't listen to it around me. I don't know why. <laughs> but like I'll I'll be out somewhere or whatever, come back, and she's like blasting it on the TV. Oh, I'm man. like, what are you What are you doing? She's trying to be low-key with it. But then, yeah, she's trying to be low-key <laughs> like she don't got it in her so. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's, she argued with you about Timmy, and then she sneaks and listens to Al Dean behind your back. All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> she listens to every every country song. I don't know. She, she just don't do it around me. Whenever I get in the car, she plays, which is one of my favorite artists, uh, Young Boy. Okay. Uh-huh. So she plays in front of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She'll probably play one of my playlists. <laughs> I got you. I got you, man. Good stuff, man. And look, I appreciate the, you taking the time to, to hop on, you know, Believe in Kentucky podcast. Mm-hmm. All the best this season. I know you're excited. Of course, you know yes, the fans are excited. You go out and about in Lexington. Everybody can't wait for the season to start with what y'all are yes, doing. Sir. So, man, you're a big part of it and just humble and, and level-headed. You, you're approaching it the right way, man. So, looking forward to what y'all do this yes, year. Sir. Me too. Appreciate you. Hey, thanks, Chris. Appreciate you, man. Yep. We appreciate y'all taking the time to listen to this episode of Believe in Kentucky. Don't forget to rate, 
review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And also tell your friends, that old school word of mouth, just let them know. If you think they like the podcast, just tell them about it. For Jimmy Mahan, the legend T.D. Tony Delk, and Chris Rodriguez, this is Vinny Hardy. This has been another episode of Believe in Kentucky presented by Bet Online. Everybody take care. We'll see y'all next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.